0: Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and once again, I'm delighted to bring to you a conversation that I had with legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster Howard Monroe on his show earlier today. We talked Kirsten Sinema leaving the Democratic Party, Donald Trump's insane legal problems, and all kinds of fun stuff in between, including Hunter Biden's laptop. Here is Howard Monroe.
1: Matt Robeson is a friend, political analyst for us here on the show, a former congressional staffer, a former campaign consultant. He is a writer for a number of uh, online services. He is a blogger, a podcaster, talk show host. Matt, I guess you're spending a lot more of your time also now on on videos on YouTube, right?
0: Yes, I've become accustomed to the fact that all the kids are into this astounding new invention called video We used to watch them on televisions. Now we watch them absolutely everywhere. And I've had many people in my life, including people younger than I am, tell me for years, Matt, you schmuck. We love you. We like the stuff you write. That's so 3,000 years ago technology. We like the stuff you say on radio. I'm not going to diss what we do on radio because that's what you and I do. We do it. (laughs) But they're like, Matt, despite your face problems, we need to actually see you on video. So now... All of the podcasts and some video commentaries analysis are up on a YouTube channel called Blue Amp. You can look it up on YouTube. And it's me and former Biden ad maker, Cliff Schechter. He's a longtime Democratic strategist, activist. He's done a lot of advocacy work with all the gun groups. He wrote the book on John McCain. You used to see him all over MSNBC. Now he's doing video commentaries on Blue Amp. So am I, and you can find the Beyond Politics
1: podcast there, too. Blue Amp, you'll find it on YouTube. Now, you can still, for people who are not visually inclined and you still like to listen, the podcasts are still available, right?
0: The podcast is still available. You can still get that wherever you get your podcast. And look, if you like to listen on the radio, we're on WKXL Radio. And, of course, I appear with you here on the Watchdog, which I always appreciate. It's always fun. But, yes, you can catch. You can subscribe to Blue Amp. And it's good stuff. We don't pull punches. We're not constrained by the FCC. We're constrained a little bit by our good friends at YouTube. We don't go too far. But we don't pull our punches, and we hit Trump where it hurts,
1: and I think we're pretty funny about it, too. Check it out. I want to talk to you about – there are several different issues that have occurred since the last time we talked, some pretty big things to chat about. I got a text at the very end of my show on Friday, and I didn't have a chance to talk about it myself, and this is a good chance for you and I to talk about it. Howard, would you talk about politicians, that change from Democrat to Republican while in office? How fair is that to the voters that invested in said politician? Now, I think this text was referring to Senator Glenn Jeffries, a state senator in West Virginia, who switched Democrat to Republican, but it certainly brings up the issue of Kirsten Cinema choosing to not switch parties, per se, but to leave the Democratic Party, and become an independent. I must admit, and maybe you've followed this better than I did, I, she's been a rogue Democrat, of course, like Manchin. It really surprised me when I saw that she literally left the party. Did it you?
0: It didn't surprise me politically because it's her one play, it's her one move. There's polling on this. Kirsten Cinema is not popular among Arizona Democrats. Her overall approval rating is only 42%. That lags. Democratic Senator Mark Kelly, newly reelected by 12 points. Her popularity among independents is also 42%. And she was censured by the Arizona Democratic Party for refusing to do anything to the filibuster to try to protect voting rights. And so she is looking over her left shoulder at Representative Ruben Gallego who has made a lot of noise about mounting a primary challenge to her. And if I were a betting man, which occasionally privately I am, don't track (laughs) me down, local police, I would put some money on her getting taken out in a Democratic primary. There's certainly a lot of national money in the Democratic Party that's interested in seeing that happen. And so I think she looked at the landscape and she did not see a path forward, at least a particularly good one, to re-election, and this was maybe her only political play, tactically, become an independent, and now she holds this leverage over Democrats where there is a strong challenge from the left. She and that challenger could split the Democratic votes and open things up for Republicans in what is going to be a nasty, difficult map for Democrats across the country in 2024. So this is, it it makes a certain amount of sense.
1: I want to talk about what it means in terms of the Senate and in terms of policy and so on going forward. But referencing back to the question the listener texted me last week. Oh, yes. Do you think that does the public care if someone changes office after they have been elected? We've had several cases of that in West Virginia. I mentioned Senator Glenn, uh, Glenn Jeffries just a couple of weeks ago switched from Democrat to Republican. Governor Justice was elected as a Democrat in his first term, spent one year as a Democrat, and then in a big Trump rally came out as a Republican. So we're used to seeing that here. Do you think what your? do people get upset about that? Do they feel like they've been betrayed?
0: They do. And you've seen more instances of this in the last 20, 25 years of Democrats switching to Republican as we've gone through this national realignment in certain areas. West Virginia is one of them. Look, West Virginia, better than anyone, used to be super competitive. Bill Clinton won West Virginia, for goodness sakes. No longer the case. And I remember Governor Justice saying, I can't help you as a Democrat anymore, I believe were his exact words. And he wasn't necessarily wrong politically. And so yes i there i can't speak to voters political feelings i nowadays with the polarization we have they are surely pretty strong donors feelings are pretty strong i can speak directly though from my own experience to the feeling working for one of these folks because i've had many colleagues who have gone through this my boss was a member of the house of representatives in 2010 running for the us senate and Arlen Specter switched parties, actually, from Republican to Democrat. All of a sudden, his chief of staff started showing up at the Senate chief of staff meetings that I was also attending. And they had, they had a lot of staffers who found it traumatic. There, there, were, there have been a number of House members who have flipped parties. And it's not uncommon to have the whole staff just quit, just resign en masse. Now, I don't see that happening with Senator Cinema because she's becoming an independent and she's not particularly changing her positions or necessarily her intended voting pattern. I have friends on her staff. I have not spoken to them in the last few days. I don't think that would be polite for me, but I assume that they're going to stay. But yes, the answer to your question is, in general, I think voters in this day and age have every right to feel a certain sense of betrayal if you switch D to R or R to D. I think that. Cinema moves a little bit different because she's going to continue to functionally behave, I guess I'll say, as much as a Democrat as she ever was.
1: But she is not, and correct me if I'm wrong, and these are D.C. Capitol Hill terms that maybe the general public doesn't really care about, she is not going to caucus with the Democrats. She said she won't change. I think I heard her say that. She's going to continue her same philosophy, which she certainly tends to be more Democrat than Republican, I think. But she's not going to caucus with the Democrats, as does Bernie Sanders and who's the other independent that caucuses with the Democrat, help me here. Angus that, King um,
0: from Maine. Angus King,
1: yeah. So, you know, they, those two are independents, but they caucus with the Democrats. So they are effectively Democrats by vote. I think she said she's not going to caucus with either.
0: I think she's doing a little bit of, this is brand management for Senator Cinema. I yeah. think she's trying to get the maximum value that she can get out of this announcement by playing it up, the reality is that she expects to and is going to keep her committee assignments. Your committee assignments are made by the leader of your party, which me, and Senator Schumer affirmed, oh, yes, all good. So functionally, she is going to behave as a Democrat. She ne- What it really means to caucus with Democrats is you get together and you plan jointly with them. There are weekly lunches that are way down in the weeds here. She never showed up at the weekly lunches anyway, and apparently she's not planning to start now. She's not going to coordinate with the Democratic Party in that sense, but in a way that matters to most normal, non-insider, insane dorks like me, she's functionally going to behave as a Democrat. But again, with that caveat, like as much as she ever did.
1: She has been a ro- – now, the other sort of rogue Democrat causing problems for the party as a unity in the last couple of years has been our own Joe Manchin. What does cinema's leaving the party do to Manchin, if anything?
0: I don't think it does anything directly for now because she's going to – she intends, as far as we know, to vote. In, in much the same way, to have the same set of priorities. So it doesn't change the committee assignments. It, he has about as much leverage as he was going to have. The thing to keep an eye on, and something you and I have discussed on this show before, is in the period from 1974 to 2012, about a 40-year period, 15 senators died in office. Democrats have three U.S. senators who during this term of the Senate, this upcoming two-year term, are going to be over age 80. And so I'm not meaning to be morbid about this. I'm just stating an actuarial fact that the majority is very tenuous here. And weird things happen all the time. Ben Sass Nebraska senator just announced he's up and leaving the Senate because he's got a better offer from the University of Florida system. Stuff happens. And so Manchin is still in a power cat bird seat. He's going to continue to be. It's, it's very marginally less than it was last time because of fifty-one forty-nine versus fifty-fifty, But he's still got a tremendous amount of sway in that chamber.
1: Cinema did not make her announcement until after the Georgia Senate election, the runoff election where incumbent Senator Warnick beat Herschel Walker. That election stunned me, Matt, and you may have had a better insight in this than I did. It was incomprehensible to me that a candidate, such a bad candidate as Herschel Walker, could be close to winning that election. I truly, when the on election night, when the polls closed, I popped on to CNN. I thought they would announce Warnock the winner immediately. I can't Im- – and then it goes right down to the wire. They don't announce it until 98% of the vote is counted. How can people vote for such a flawed candidate as that?
0: Partisanship is a hell of a drug. For- I'd like to. I'd like to go on. I guess I could, but – I think that really does sum it up. And, yes, it reminds me of the classic Saturday Night Live skit back from 1988. No, none of your listeners will be old enough as we are, I think, to remember this. But it's the skit version of George H.W. Bush in a debate, giving some, like, insane, meandering, rambling answer to something. And then the Mike Dukakis character just says, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. Yeah, exactly. After everything that we've heard from Herschel Walker – his insanity, his incoherence, his talking about the upcoming erection, which, you know, they parodied on the more recent. Vampires, era oh, vampires like, and werewolves. Don't forget the vampires,
1: vampires and, the werewolves. and werewolves. Vampires and
0: I, werewolves. I, he's unwell. The man is unwell. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little depressed. Like, Democrats were thrilled, and I'm thrilled too. 5149 is awesome. But my gosh, what it says about us that, like, This guy could come so close, but maybe I'm inured to it because we've lived through this before, because we put an unwell person at the head of our government as president of the United States. And so I guess Georgia voters, 48% of them or so said, at least he's got a, an R after his name, and I'll vote for Mitch McConnell. for. That's, what, that's
1: the only thing that some people care about, which is frightening. I'm reminded when my kids were growing up, and they would ask about an elected official, a law enforcement officer, a sheriff, I'm thinking of it in particular, and they said, Dad, I heard he's a crook. I said, oh, yeah, he's a crook, but he's our crook. Yeah, <laughs> and so he, yeah Walker may be an idiot and a fool, but he's our fool. That's, I guess that's, oh, man, that's amazing. Now, I want to take a break. If you could, Can you hang around? I always have to ask you that.
0: Sure thing. All
1: right. I want to talk about it seems to me that Trump is circling the drain. But, again, it may be my own perspective. I may be reading all that I want to read and not seeing other things. I want to get your take on it. And also I want to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop because apparently this is a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Going to be the first thing they could do is investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. So I want to talk about Donald Trump, Matt. He's lost several court rulings recently. His taxes had to go over to the Congress. The request to have a special master delay, essentially the Mar-a-Lago investigation, was rejected. His organization, not Trump himself, but his organization found guilty of fraud. It seems to me, and I want you to tell me if my perspective is off base, It seems to me Trump is circling the drain. I
0: thought right before we took a break you were going to do one of these classic radio teases and I was going to chime in with all these things are happening. And after the break, I'll tell you whether Trump is circling the drain and a surprising statistic that says maybe he's not. So here's the thing. The new CNBC All-America Economic Survey – by the way, you need a shorter title for your survey, CNBC, shows that only 37% of Republicans say they don't want Trump to run in 2024. By the way, 57% of Democrats say they don't want Biden to run in 2024. So more Democrats are saying we don't want Joe Biden to run than Republicans are saying we don't want Donald Trump to run. Can we just reflect for a moment on that? piece of nonsense. Joe Biden presided over the greatest job growth in American history in one single year. The most manufacturing jobs created in 30 years. Six million people added to low cost affordable health insurance. I could go on and on about the achievements of this administration just bringing us back to insanity and dragging us away From the flaming car careening off a cliff that we were living through at the end of the Trump era, for that reason alone, it would be lovely to have Joe Biden back. But apparently 57% of Democrats say, nah, we're good. We have enough peace and prosperity for us. We want the crazy back. And Republicans are saying, we know that Donald Trump picked a bunch of insane maniacs who lost. As a matter of fact, there was a great analysis in the New York Times showing that, If you were supported by Donald Trump, you paid a penalty of about five percentage points in your election versus non-Trump-supported Republicans. Five points in close races is huge these days. That's why they all lost. Every single Secretary of State, Governor, Senate candidate who Trump supported lost, with one exception of one Secretary of State in Indiana. All of them otherwise lost. And so you would look at this, and you would think to yourself, maybe this is horrible. Maybe we should be shut of this guy. But nope. Most Republicans say, this is, this is okay. We'd like some more. With you, I would think he's circling the drain. But Republican voters say no.
1: With that, that 37%, let's just take that as a number to work with. And that will change as time goes by. And it's a polling number. But let's take that to work with. That creates a real issue in terms of primaries. Because if enough people, if 37% are strongly Trump or are, are happy to have Trump there, then whatever is left has to be divided in a primary among other candidates, whether it's Ron DeSantis or whoever it is, the more candidates, so I'm guessing that Trump will be happy to have more candidates get into the race, because the more they get into the race, the more they will divide up what's left once you take out his strong base, so... The number of people in the Republican primary is going to make a big difference, I think, how Trump does.
0: Absolutely. And there's also, there was a great analysis from Jeff Greenfield. People can look it up. It turns out the rules for how Republicans do their presidential primaries, that matters a great deal as well. The winner-take-all nature of it. But what it comes down to is, I think you're spot on, that This is what Trump benefited from in 2016. It was him against the rest of the field. Everyone was vying at different times to be the Trump alternative, and they couldn't coalesce soon enough, and they were sniping at each other. You remember, Chris Christie took down Marco Rubio for a bad debate performance, and then Jeb Bush, Trump was able to first take down Jeb Bush, he could pick them off one at a time. He said... Jeb Bush, you're low energy and you sit down to pee or I don't know what he said about him. And one thing after another, he was just able to pick them off one by one. And it's looking like we may see that again, seeing these trial balloons. If you read the media obsessively like I do, what is hardworking communication staffers for lots of potential Republican presidential nominees calling up reporters and saying, how about a profile profile? For my gal or my guy, mostly guys. These are Republicans we're talking about here. And you just saw Politico, my former guest on Beyond Politics, Rachel Bade, phenomenal reporter, just did a pilgrimage to New Hampshire to interview Governor Chris Sununu. He's, he's possible. He's a reasonable Absolutely. figure in the Republican Party. But how is he different than Christy Noam, Nikki Haley, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio? The list goes on and on. There's probably about 15 who are playing footsie with it. And, yeah, Trump's not upset about the number.
1: And yet Trump is in such legal jeopardy. Again, a lot of his techniques he's used over 20, 30 years, the delaying tactics and so on in court, are beginning to fail him now. Plus, he's got the Department of Justice looking into the mar lago stuff, which certainly to me is a layman looking out, looking inside – it seems like there's a lot of there, and we don't know that Trump will be among them. But the January sixth committee says they're going to make criminal referrals. He's in thirty six, but I guess we go back to the Warnick thing, right, or to the Herschel Walker thing. Yeah, yeah, he may be in, he may be in trouble, and the Department of Justice may indict him and all this. But he's a Republican; he's our guy, so. How do we, I'm not going to go. What does it say really? about
0: the cynicism? I'll just say this. What does it say about the cynicism of the Republican Party that all of those indictments, the criminality, the leading, the insurrection, the years long, the lying, the hurting small time contractors by stiffing them and basically killing their lifeblood, all of his pattern of abuse and, and ill treatment of the American people and outright criminality, that doesn't bother? Republican voters. The first inkling that maybe the worm is turning on him is he may be causing us to lose elections. We don't care until he causes us to lose elections. And that may be the only thing that turns things on Trump. And that is not something for the modern Republican Party to be proud of.
1: All right, one last thing real quick, and then I got to move on. But Hunter Biden, I don't know if McCartney himself has said so, McCartney himself said so, but others have said It will be among the first things they will investigate as soon as the Republicans take control of Congress. They're going to get to the bottom of this whole Hunter Biden issue. And I'm not sure what the bottom is, but what I'm not, what I, I guess I have some sense of it. I'm not sure what it is they think the political ramifications of it is. I don't sense any real ties to Joe Biden. I get that Hunter Biden has some problems maybe, but I'm not sure other than pure politics just smearing by implication, I don't know what they're going for.
0: I think that's all they're going for. Look, I wouldn't have thought that Hillary Clinton's emails or the tragedy in Benghazi would have been that there was enough there to take down Hillary Clinton. But we have some pretty strong evidence that Republicans' monomania about those topics was effective. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that Kevin McCarthy was not the speaker previously is that he said the quiet part out loud. He admitted out loud that the whole Benghazi operation in terms of Republican hearings was all about hurting Hillary Clinton, that it was all a cynical political ploy. They didn't really care about the deaths of four Americans. They cared about hurting Hillary Clinton. And I think the same thing is happening right now with Hunter Biden and his laptop. The one thing I will say is if you want to hear the definitive analysis of this, and really understand what's going on, and also understand why this is likely a republic I was about to say Republican. I meant Russian. Is there really a difference these days? <laughs> a Russian disinformation operation. Yeah. Then I will hope your listeners will check out the Blue Amp channel on YouTube or the Beyond Politics podcast on audio, if you prefer getting your podcast that way, because. My guest who I'm interviewing today, after I'm done with you, is Lindsay Bierstein. She's an investigative reporter. She has done several analyses about this. She gets to the bottom of everything going on there. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to expose the massive amount of bull underlying all of it. So I hope people will check that out.
1: Blue Amp on YouTube, or check out Beyond Politics on your podcast, wherever you get them. Matt, we need to do this more often. I don't bring you in enough, and I always enjoy your perspective, so we'll... We'll touch base more frequently uh, as we head into the next election cycle, even though we've just finished, finished the current one. But I appreciate your help today. People can check out the podcast, check out the YouTube, I'll look for you sometimes in Newsweek and Alternet and some other online websites. And when they are there, I try and call people's attention to them. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks a lot.